Well, I'll say bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Guys, show some respect for the pastor. It's not cool. I apologize if you're visiting with us tonight. This rude congregation is known as Kairos. It shows no respect to their leaders. I'll pause and say something so that nothing gets in the way of us getting to the gospel. If you're new with us, um, I shaved. I've had a beard for three years. Um, and so... Thanks, Dan. Uh, Believe me, I was just as shocked as you were to see what was in the mirror. I started avoiding them for a little bit. I'd honestly forgotten the face that I was born with. Don't worry, you'll get used to it. Just may take some prayer and fasting and blindness. Um, it's, been, <laughs> it's been fun uh, to reintroduce myself to coworkers and neighbors who are asking, who's the strange man with your wife? Um, so that, that's been interesting. I, I forget that people don't recognize me and I have to reintroduce myself, which is fine. But I have to be honest with you, my family's reactions were some of my favorites. Um, I came out and I didn't tell my wife and she just started laughing and kind of crying. And then we started kissing and we haven't stopped since, bless the Lord. So. My father likes to give good gifts, and I will receive. Um, <laughs> my oldest son, who's 13 and a pubescent gob of goo, um, just grunted and went, oh, you shaved your beard, Dad. I'm like, thanks for that full engagement, son. That was awesome. You smell like B.O. and Cheetos. Um, I love them. I love them dearly. I speak life and vision. We're just, it's almost summer. And he's already checked out, and it's wonderful. Um, my youngest son, I picked him up, and he just stared at me. I wasn't sure who I was. I think he thought he was getting adopted for the second time <laughs> and seemed to be okay with it. It's like, as long as you give me a fruit roll-up, I'll roll. <laughs> my oldest daughter cried and wouldn't look at me. Uh, so none taken. Uh, and then my youngest daughter uh, is still angry at me to this day. Um, and hurls insults and accusations at me. But in her defense, anger is the primary emotion through which she processes change, or life in general. <laughs> it was funny, reflected back on that, um, a question I have for you guys tonight, what's your primary emotion that you process change through? When something happens, a place or a person that you knew to be this way or act this way or to be a certain way suddenly changes, what's the primary emotion that triggers off in your heart? When you moved here for a job or found out that that job that you were hired for is really not that job and it's a different job and you're not really sure if you even wanna do that job or can do that job, what's the primary emotion that triggers? When you found out you lost your job and you thought for sure you were doing a good job, what goes on in here? What's the primary emotion you process change through? You step into a new relationship, what do you feel? An old relationship that you weren't ready to step out of ends. What's the primary emotion?
when a parent, a child, or a sibling suddenly changes and just goes off the rails and decides to go in a different direction or gets sick or dies. And suddenly your world has changed. What's the primary emotion through which you process that change? I can tell you what it is for me, and I can tell you what it is for many others of you who I've prayed with and talked to. It's fear. It's fear. And it's the double-edged side of fear, right? When something changes for bad or for the worse, the fear is, this will never change. I'll never get through this. This will never end. And then what's really weird sometimes is when something actually good happens, sometimes we're fearful, when will it be taken away? How long is this gonna last? I'm actually content and in a good place, therefore something must just be around the corner that's going to train wreck all of this. Webster defines fear as this, an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause a pain or a threat. You know what I love about the Bible? It addresses the human condition. It knows that we are fearful and fragile creatures who are afraid of who we are and what we might become. And over a hundred times the Bible says this, fear not. Our anchor verse for this is gonna be Isaiah 41, 13. For I am the Lord your God. I will take you by the right hand and I will say to you, fear not. I will help you. God wants to hold and help us walk and face our deepest fears. So that's the series that we're gonna launch um, for the next couple weeks or couple months, depends on how much you attend here and how well you do math. Um, really not sure how long it'll go. Um, I'm excited about it. Um, I think, especially coming off our series Fault Lines, where we dug into our core issues of appetite, ambition, and approval, um, that's gonna dredge up issues of fear and how do we actually face and lean into those fears. So tonight, just to start out our conversation real quickly, um, I wanna talk about tonight is the fear of being alone. I wanna talk about many of us who are experiencing epidemic levels of loneliness. Now, some of you in the room will just be going, oh, great, that's just for single people. Some of you single people are like, sweet, take all the time you need. I've been waiting a year for this talk. But I'm amazed that across ages and stages of life, how many people are struggling with loneliness? Do you wanna know one of the depress most depressing places is to be alone? Is in the middle of a marriage. Or leading a company or a ministry and you battle loneliness because no one understands what it is that you're walking through and you don't trust anyone to get close enough to understand what it is that you're walking through. There's some of our seasoned veterans in this room that loneliness begins to creep in when you feel like life has just passed you by and no one notices or cares or realizes that you feel like you're any use. Loneliness affects us all. The fear of being alone, even when we're in committed relationships, sometimes that fear sabotages us and we think, when are you going to leave? When are these friends who I've been trying to do community with gonna discover who I really am and walk out the door? 
I want to talk about the fear of being alone. Um, We'll be in Genesis chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 18. I'm going to drop you into the creation account. By the way, um, would it surprise you if I told you that in the Garden of Eden, which means delight, before sin had entered the world, before Adam and Eve chose to go against God's will and good intentions for human flourishing, that he experienced loneliness. That in God's good and perfect world, where he had created the sand and the seas, the mountains and the meadows, the moon and the stars, and said, it's good, it's good, it's good. He creates man and says, not only is it good, it's very good. And then he gets to a place in the garden where he is in constant communion and community with Adam. And he says these words, it's not good for man to be alone. Isn't that interesting? Let's see where that's found. Genesis chapter two, starting in verse 18. Let me pray for us as we begin to read God's word. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Yeah, that's gonna help. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So first time we hear not good in the creation account. I will make a helper suitable for him. By the way, that word helper is ezer in Hebrew, and it's the exact same word that we use to talk about God being our help. Dang, ladies, made in the image of God, what's up? Now, the Lord God had formed out of all the ground, all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. So already God is sharing his power and responsibility and delegating, and it's unbelievable how good he is, to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, the air, and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man, and the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. It's important for us to realize the biblical, theological, and social reality of God's design. You were designed to live in interpersonal and interdependent relationships with other people. That's God's design for human flourishing. Jesus picks up on this when he walks planet Earth, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself, You're designed to be connected with God and designed to be connected with others. Now, we get in trouble when we pick one of those two things. We get in trouble when we just want to be connected with others and think that substitutes for God, and we turn our relationships and people into gods, and they make lousy ones, let me tell you that. You're going to put an embarrassing and impossible weight for them, and they're constantly going to disappoint you, and you're going to resent yourself and them for never, ever being able to meet your needs that only God was intended to. 
That's the one side. The other side is this. I'm about to say something heretical, okay? Is it fair for me to say, based off of what we just read, that God was not enough for Adam in the garden? Did you just get as uneasy as I did? Some of you are on Amazon Prime right now trying to fast order tar and feathers, and you're going to invite me out into the parking lot to <laughs> brand me a heretic. You're like, uh-uh, I knew this Tuesday night thing was way too libby, way too liberal. Come on, Chris. The message was pushing it, but now you're saying God's not enough. What's going on here? Pump the brakes. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to agitate your ears into engaging Scripture and having a conversation with God. And I want us to constantly be forming our theology that informs our practice. And what I mean by that, of course God is enough for Adam. But are you okay with a God who creates a need in you just to meet it? Here is the God of the universe who can supply all of his needs, yet chooses to create him with one so that he can discover it, come to him for help, and give him exactly what he needs. It's mind-blowing to me that our Father in heaven knows what we need of before we even ask him. I, and God designed us to be in connection with him and with each other. And Jesus, when he shows up to this, he decides to call this church, this assembly, his body. And so you need to know that Jesus has no other body on earth except for the church. And how can you be connected to Jesus if you're not connected to his body? Community is not optional, it's essential according to scripture. And some of you are like, well, Chris, that's great for marriage. I'm not just talking about marriage, okay? Because I know that the most fulfilled, powerful, intellectual man to ever walk planet earth was Jesus and he was single. And he was connected to his father and he was connected to people. He had disciples that he called friends that he eagerly longed to eat with them and dine with them and teach them the realities of the universe and how to be connected with God and with each other. And his commission was go create a spiritual family so that we can stay connected and experience God and each other in incredible, self-sacrificing, life-giving ways. One of the spiritual challenge questions that we're trying to constantly keep in front of us here at this church is when and where are you experiencing life-giving community? I'm so happy that I have Matt Purdom on staff. Matt just celebrated five years, five years working with Kairos to create the kind of community where we can connect to God and each other. Tireless strategy, tireless prayer, tireless raising up disciples that make disciples, also that when you want to, you can walk into a group of people who are vulnerable, available, and responsible to one another so that you are not allowed to walk out of this room and say, I am alone and I can't do anything about it. Is it pretty, is it perfect? Absolutely not, but it is an option. Because here's what breaks my heart. A year ago we did a survey in here and 50% of you are not connected to community in any way. And I know it's tough. And I know it's, you've been hurt. And I know that you have reason to be skeptical. But here's also what I know. You being alone, that's not working. Here's some statistics that say why it's not working. 
In 2003, UCLA researchers studied the physical effects of loneliness on the brain, and they discovered being excluded provoked the same sort of reaction in the brain that physical pain causes. Time Magazine recently called loneliness the next greatest health epidemic alongside of obesity and substance abuse. Time out for just a second. I wonder if loneliness isn't one of the key contributors to obesity and substance abuse, and isn't it interesting to get in recovery for those issues? Small group accountability is the key step. Hmm, just learning what the Bible told us. In a recent study sponsored by Cigna Insurance Company, upon the realization that being lonely is literally making us sick, they concluded that loneliness has the same effect on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. All my smokers in here are so pumped right now. You're like, I'm about to go out and get a pack of Camel No Filters, because I am not alone. (laughs) (laughs) Brother, get a Tic Tac or you will be alone. Um, That's not a reason to smoke, but I'm just saying, we, we know how deadly the effects of those things are. They're literally saying that loneliness is not only affecting you and affecting you, it's literally killing you. The Bible's been telling you it's been killing your soul. Science is just kicking up to the fact that it's actually killing your body. You were designed by God to be connected to him and connected to each other. That's why at Kairos we always say this is our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and to each other. Why is it an attempt? Because we fail. And you're gonna fail and I'm gonna fail. And it's gonna be difficult and it's gonna be hard and it's gonna be required sacrifice. But we wanna keep trying. And every time you hear, we're gonna talk about the gospel's best lived out in the context of community. I love our gathering in here. It's amazing, but it would break my heart if I stood before the judgment throne of God and realized that I created a place that was a substitute for community, not a celebration of it. I know it's not easy. I know you're afraid. I know it'll require sacrifice. I know you've been hurt in the past. I know it brings up incredible, obnoxious, debilitating fears in some of you. I know there are people who are hard to love. I know I'm hard to love. But what I do know is this, the alternative is not working. Can we be the kind of community that stops hibernating our humanity by isolating and withdrawing? And can we be people that step in the power of the gospel to find a life-giving community and connection with God and each other? Realizing that not only am I missing out when I'm out of community, so is the community. Some of you would probably agree with me when we read Genesis account. Not good for people to be alone. It's not good, right? That's not just talking about marriage, that's also talking about friendships, right? Because King David, right, one of the archetypes, sorry, fancy word, um, he was foreshadowing what Christ and the Messiah would look like in the Old Testament. He looks at his buddy Jonathan and says, I love you as my own soul. Uh, He had someone who knew him, loved him, made a covenant with him, and they fought battles together, and they advanced the kingdom of God together. That we were meant to be known 
and not alone. And I know that some of you hear that and you would agree, yeah, it's not good for me to be alone. And you're all in. You keep reading and here's where most of us step back and step out. When God surgically removes something from Adam in order to make someone for him. My question for you is, what are you willing to suffer and sacrifice and have the Holy Spirit surgically removed from your life in order to make room for community? Are you willing to understand that the quality of life is drastically increased when we are connected with other individuals? Are you willing to sacrifice your time? Are you willing to sacrifice your money? Are you willing to sacrifice your preferences? Are you willing to sacrifice your expectations? You want to sacrifice your ambitions? Because this is going to get in the way. I had a guy who was a disciple of me and says, Chris, just so we're clear, spiritual family is never convenient, but it is absolutely necessary. You ever like me, you start out going to a Bible reading group or a community group, and you're fine for the first couple of times, and then you find every reason in the book why you don't want to go. Because it's starting to get real, and you don't want to hear about their stuff, and you certainly don't want to say about your stuff. I've started to learn to decipher that's the isolation spirit in me and that's probably something amazing is gonna happen. Usually on the nights that I don't wanna go the most, that is when the Holy Spirit breaks out and I go, I am so thankful to be experiencing God with you guys together. Will you have to sacrifice your time, your finances, your schedule, your Netflix password? Just kidding. <laughs> No, seriously, talk to me later. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be with us, but we've done a, our best job trying to create a place where you can get connected. You don't have to walk out of here alone. It's not good for people to be alone. And I wonder again, will we continue to have our eyes open to try to connect people to make sure consistently we're living out the gospel in the context of community. This is not something I'm asking you to try harder to do. It's something I'm simply asking you to say to the Lord. Would you take me by the hand? Would you whisper to me, fear not? And would you help me? That's his job. He created you, and he wants to partner with you to create the kind of community where you can flourish and not be alone. I believe this week, he wants to move you from not good to good. Amen? We'd like to take 120 seconds and try to process what it is that the Lord is saying to us. And so as we're doing that, just kind of ask God to use his spirit to speak to you, what had my name on it tonight? What am I already trying to figure out how I can forget? We usually ask two general questions. What do I think God is saying to me and what do I need to do about it? If you're in a place where you can process that, go for it. Start writing, start journaling, start praying. If you're in a place where you need a couple extra prompts, here's what I might ask you to consider. If you are alone here tonight and that fear ravages you, 
or that you've suppressed it and tonight you've acknowledged it, would you ask God to give you the name or the picture of one person you might be able to reach out to this week and just say, hey, would you help me get connected? If you are already connected and you're cheering this message on and you're like, absolutely, brother, preach it. Take a minute to picture someone in your life who might be lonely. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring someone to mind. You know what? I need to reach out to them. I need to invite them. I need to send them a note. I need to call them. I need to text them and just let them know I'm thinking about them. then I would ask you to ask the Lord what needs to be surgically removed from my life in order to make space to not be so alone. What might you be calling me to sacrifice and suffer what I consider loss? what God considers gain. Is there anything you need to disconnect from in order to experience a deeper connection and community than with God? just ask God would you help me and would you hold me and help me to fear less this week